The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, joined by John Sestina and Cole Hammock. Gentlemen, how are you? Good enough. Uh, I'm great. It's good to be here. Spring is almost here, guys. I know. It's about time. No, we have one more snowstorm that's coming. It's on your birthday, too, right? Always on my birthday week, there's a snowstorm, and so that's next week, isn't it? Is it? Two weeks, John. Two Two weeks. St. Patrick's Day. I'm too old. I can't remember. (laughs) Whatever that day is. My son will be two years old on your birthday, too. That's pretty special. Is he born the same day, right? Same day. All right. Lucky kid. That's right. (laughs) Kind of cool that all worked out. But, uh, well, we've got a great show today. A lot of topics to get to. The main theme we're going to discuss is around your net worth. So how to obtain net worth. First of all, we'll define what it actually is and why that's an important number in somebody's financial plan. A lot of moving parts to that, and there's some, I think there's some confusion around what it actually means and why you should be tracking it. We'll also have some fun and kind of throw some stats at you to see where you should be. Now, that's subjective, Ooh. of course, right? Yeah. But we'll, we'll share some stats from a few surveys they've done here in the U.S. But I think we, uh, we need to start with current events, a lot of serious things going on in the world. And, and I think the first thing that comes to mind with everybody right now is what's going on in, in Ukraine. All right. It's been... Um, you know, over a week and, and ongoing issues. And, and throughout the week, there's things I saw t- uh, earlier this week, there was a, uh, a ceasefire or safe zones that they had negotiated for humanitarian purposes. But, you know, who knows what that actually means long term. But exactly. today, I want to focus on you know, some, what, what we're seeing here from the economic impacts. Of course, the human toll is, is just awful. I mean, there's nothing else to say about that. It. Just it's terrible. But from the economic side of it too, oil prices, you see what's going on with sh- sanctions and how that's impacting people. Of course, inflation has been on everybody's mind this year. Um, and then talk about just these geopolitical things, because I think there's a lesson to be learned here, and we can look at history to give us some insight going forward. Right, that's for sure. So, you know, on the, on the economic side, we've seen oil skyrocketing. Keep going up. Right? Yeah. Price of the pump is going up with it. Um, California, I saw, was what, 5 or $6 a gallon? Something outrageous. I, I believe it. I haven't seen it, but I absolutely believe it. Yeah, and even here, here in the Midwest, too, it's, it's going up. I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. immune from this, but... Um, these sanctions are interesting to see what impacts that may or may not have. Um, I think it's unprecedented, John, with the, what they're doing with cutting out Russian banks from the SWIFT system and all these other things. So what do you think about all that? Well, they're not putting the metal to the pedal, pedal to the metal, you know what I mean? Because they're just kind of picking and choosing these little sanctions, and uh, they need to do the whole nine yards, I think, in my opinion. And uh, if you're going to really stop this thing, you've got to really go to the core and these little picks that's going on, Russia has been through these before. And in fact, since uh, uh, Putin has been there, he's been preparing for sanctions for the last four years. By hoarding cash and uh-huh. the other things he's been doing. Getting all kinds of ready. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm in favor of the sanctions, and it makes no sense to me that people are concerned about the price of gas going up, because guess what? It's going up. Right, right. <laughs> Even without them. And so I think we need to act on that. And if we could convince Tyler, I'm going to beg you to go to the White House. And, <laughs> you know, you have influence and yeah, sit down with right. um, the president 
and explain to him that he needs to reopen all those pipelines and wells and get back with the legalization of drilling again, and we could be an independent nation again. I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, your own source of energy, right, and having you access bet. to that. So uh, well, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I don't, I don't think this administration will tackle that. It seems like they're trying to stay on the <clears> peripheral <throat> with this. But in, in terms of inflation, too, and you mentioned with uh, with what's going on and, and how these sanctions will impact certain things, just overall with, with uh, everybody thinks about gas, but it's it's across every sector of the economy, right? Absolutely. So before, remember, before Ukraine, we were talking about inflation on this show already, right? You and bet. it's something that's mm-hmm. been there. And I think... Like you said, it's not going away. It's going to go up, but you have to learn how to manage these things. Well, so, I guess some of the things you don't think about are, what about fertilizer? What about it? <laughs> what about fertilizer? You think your grocery bill is heavy now? Wait for another six months or so. I mean, where does most of the fertilizer come from? Do you know that? I don't know that. How about Russia? Interesting. They're coming over there, and what when these guys, uh, the farmers, go and use it, the prices have doubled to the farmer for the use of these. So all of a sudden when you're trying to buy lettuce, which you think of as an inexpensive item or carrots or something, but the fertilizer you've had to use will pump that cost way up. And so you'd be paying for a carrot, what'd you pay for a steak? Wow. <laughs> it's a good I, thing I don't not, like vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a good backdrop to talk kind of historical context to all of what's going on in these geopolitical events that we've seen um, and so we actually have some good information here from Vanguard. They put out a recent study kind of showing what's actually happened historically, right? So they started in 1962 with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, John Cole and I weren't here for that, but uh, I know you were. I was, yes, <laughs> I sure was. <laughs> and I think the gist of this was there's these reactions. So there's an initial pullback in the markets, right? There's a sell-off is the best way to say that. But right. then what Vanguard did is they studied, okay, where are we six months and a year later? in terms of the markets. And so the Cuban Missile Crisis, the immediate reaction to the market was a sell-off of about 5%. And then when you looked six months out from that date, the markets were up 21%. And mm-hmm. a year later, markets were up 26%, right? So it's a reminder to think long-term right. with these things. And I'm sure people have seen their portfolios all over the place this year to start this yeah. year, mostly down, right, if you're in the U.S. as far as your investments. But um, it, context is important. And so that was the first one. But there's a lot of other... Uh, measurements that they did from the 70s. There's a lot of this was in the 70s, John. I know. I remember I lived in the 70s. That's right. Bobby and I were starting our marriage in the 70s. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you were Yeah, you were just getting going with yeah, all of we this. Yeah, we were married so. in 1970. So there we are married, and all of a sudden we dive into this, and she goes to the grocery store with her little clicker. You know what that is? In mm. the old days. I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> was it like a, a remote control for a TV? <laughs> remote control. No, this was a plastic tool. And it had numbers on it, three numbers. And so, you know, kind of like an abacus, and you could track your spending. <laughs> and so if you had $100 you could spend on groceries, you'd track it till you got to the $100 and stop there. And, yes, we used that. Wow. Bobby was really diligent on, on using that thing. A lot of people had to do that. So they're doing it again now. As you watch the people go through the grocery store, uh, I heard a uh, – person who worked in the grocery store and they say they're watching every week as the people who have fixed incomes they come in there and seeing how they have to cut back their spending. Yeah. And if if you haven't, you know, we're kind of blessed because we're not in that struggle. But boy, it's really painful for someone who's limited in income. That that's what I get concerned about too is is 
perhaps the people that aren't disciplined enough to cut back and that are just throwing it all on a credit card. Yeah, with that's a really sad. Mindset of I'll take care of it later. That's just a ticking time bomb. But um, yeah, I mean, another thing in the '70s that happened, John, that Vanguard went back and measured was uh, the Nixon impeachment. Right. Now that's a scenario where the markets didn't recover six months or a year later. Right. They were still down uh, 10 to 15 percent a year later. So. Most of these, though, they measured the Iran hostage crisis, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Oh, by the way, the Soviets, aka Russia, has done this stuff before uh, with You've invasions. Noticed. Yeah. Well, most recently, right? Think about uh, Crimea in 2014. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's forgotten about that. And then also, one I found really interesting was in 2016, geopolitical event was Brexit. We were talking about it right. on the show. I remember that one. Brexit was in front of everybody's mind. Oh my gosh, European Union's falling apart. What's going to happen here? But in that scenario, in that geopolitical event. Again, the markets were down 5% on the initial reaction. Six months later, up 7%. A year later, up 18%. I think that was my first dip since I started working with John Sustainable. It's been that long? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I think the context and the message here that I'm trying to say is, in the moment of these things, especially right now, certainly with COVID two years ago now, uh, it doesn't feel great, right? There's uncertainty. There's fear. There's a lot of things that you can get lost in, but some long-term perspective and context is really the key to being successful. Did they talk about 9-11? That's not in the study. It's not. I remember, boy, everything crashed. People panicked. And I, on my website, I put out, invest now. Now's the time to invest. Yep. You know, show them that America is strong. And that was those who call. listened, they won big time. That's right. It's a great opportunity. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, joined today by John Sestina and Cole Hammock. And guys, we started discussing what's going on with current events, uh, Ukraine, Russia, of course, uh, and John, you got a few final thoughts on that. I did. I said, the real key to all that, we we told them about the periods of time when the market dropped substantially, but the real key is for the investor not to become uh, fearful. And that's when they what's when they lose the most money. You know, we have that chart somewhere in the office that shows if you miss so many days of the market, how much you lose, and it's dramatic. If you can put in ten thousand dollars. And it'll cost you fifty thousand dollars long term if you just pull the money out because you were off and missed, say, three of the good days. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right number, but that's that was amazing. Yeah, that's the it's that whole panic, right? You just, people are panicking and and you, fear sells. It, it does, it does, and you got to remove the emotions with these things yep. with investing. But when it's your money, you've worked so hard for it to save it. It it doesn't feel great when you see the numbers going down, but you cannot panic, right? You go down. If it's a roller coaster going downhill at 100 miles an hour, you get hurt when you get off, right? Don't do it, stay. especially while it's moving. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So stay on and, and, again, see this through. In fact, I remember back in March 2020 when we were doing the show, when COVID really first hit and markets tanked and all that stuff, and we were the same message, right? Don't panic. Stay the course. Stay the course. That seemed to work out pretty well to this point, as I would say. Uh, but I remember some people commenting and saying, oh, you're crazy. You know, this is the end of all. You're always going to have that doomsday, this is the end scenario right. being pitched out there or talked about. But I'd encourage you just to kind of read further. If you get an email about this or if you get here on any any type of a broadcast, just read the fine print, right? Typically, they're trying to sell something at right. the end of the day. It's a book or it's gold or it's something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's really funny is if you – we should give the numbers of, say, the Dow Jones. 
what was it when this happened and what is it now? Right. So when some people talk to me and they're all panicked, I say, well, what was your value, you know, five years ago? And they'll give it to me. And now even with all the downturns, they're way ahead. So that's yeah. really the key. Everything yeah. in investing is long-term. I don't care how old you are. Five years in my mind is long-term. And so you don't panic over short-term things. Yep. Well said. Well, shifting topics into what I mentioned earlier regarding net worth and why that's important in, in somebody's financial plan, I think we should first start by defining what net worth is. So, Cole? Yeah. Uh, well, simply put, it's what you own, your assets, your stuff, minus what you owe. So, liabilities, debt. Can it be negative? It sure can. It, it sure can. Yeah, especially when you're just getting started out, right? Thanks, student loans. That's usually going to bring that net worth down pretty heavily. In fact, we've seen that over the years, too. People come mm -hmm. to us, and that's what I really love about our process that you set up many years ago, John, is it, it's not about assets under management. It's not about what, how much you have investable assets. It's about the service, right, the financial yeah. plan itself. So we've seen many scenarios people come to us with negative net worths when they start. That's okay. And when you look where they are now, it's incredible. Yeah, there's, there's still a great opportunity there. That's right. So it's, it's financial planning is for everybody, right? It shouldn't be yeah. phased out by the type of assets or, or level of assets that you have. But I thought it'd be fun to go through a few studies that have been put out in terms of surveys from the Consumer Finance Board and, and where you should be at a certain age in net worth. And that, when I say should be, these are just, again, these are numbers they've tracked. But there's two key factors here. There's the median net worth, right, or the average. The median obviously would be the midpoint. Yep. Going back to statistics class, right? Line everybody up right in the middle. That's that's the median. Yep. Now, wait a minute. That's when you're driving down the road and there's the median, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to do that, John. Don't want to hit that one. <laughs> and then of course is the average, right? Just the average on the on the whole number. But if you are less than thirty five years old, the median net worth in the US is thirteen thousand nine hundred. The average is seventy six thousand three hundred. Two very different numbers pretty big difference, right? Yeah. And as you get older, the spread gets even larger. Age 35 to 44, I'll use the other side of this, average net worth, 436000 and the median is 91000 So very different there, right? Now, yeah. if you're reading this and going, well, I don't, you know, I'm above that or I'm below that. Remember, these are just targets, it's right? Middle it's, of the road. Middle, it's, it's, it's an assumption in terms of where you're at. But if you look at all of these in the United States, and you, this could go on and on and on, the average for the U.S. household is 121000 as far as your net worth. Now, I don't know, that concerns me. For sure. Long term, even age 75 plus, you're not 75, John. You're, how are we, how are I'm you? past that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, the chart doesn't go high. I guess you're in the I plus. Mean, the train you're the plus. Left, <laughs> the train has left the station, That's Tyler. Right. <laughs> so the average net worth for 75 plus is 977000 and the median or the midpoint is 250000 Wow. How Again, are they going to retire? That's that's what I'm asking. That, yeah. That's exactly it. And we've, we've talked about it on the show in the past, too. People don't have $500 set aside for an yeah. emergency car repair. I mean, those are glaring issues uh, when you look at these things. So tracking your net worth back to the whole purpose, it, it's, a, it's a great measure because it's the most comprehensive measure in somebody's financial plan. In fact, that John, that's why you implemented it in our practice many years ago. Well, it's, it's, it's a great way to track progress a wellness check yes exactly and there's and you can really fine-tune things and, and get into different ratios and look at all specifics with the net worth but i think the key is it's a great way for people to set goals for themselves not not that a certain amount of money is a goal but in terms of keeping yourself accountable right that's yeah. some of the hardest things to do these days with instant everything right <laughs> discipline yeah you gotta right? think long term so yeah. setting some of these thresholds for yourself it would be a good idea 
over the long run. But I think back from, from the net worth side of things, too, if you look at the, the trends of what we're seeing, um, it's going to be concerning for a retirement. I don't want to say the word crisis in that sense, but it's going it's, people are going to be working longer is really what it comes down to. Yeah. So you see things, what they've done with some COVID legislation, they've, they've pushed out ages of minimum distributions. Exactly, when people yeah. need to take distributions. Um, and so I think some of this is going to ebb and flow with what's going on in the world. But boy, long term, if, you, if your net worth is, is uh, you know, especially if it's in like a house and not liquid assets, that could be a major problem. Uh, that's a key distinction. So talk about that too, Cole. <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, there's your illiquid. That's if it's going to, to really take time to actually sell something to get any cash from it. So that'd be your house, your car, those sorts of things. Versus your liquid assets, those are largely investments or cash on hand. So something where if you need that money, you contact someone, you contact the bank, whomever, you're going to get that money fairly quickly. Well, that's why people need to learn about their net worths and divide it up. What what are the sections that you should be aware of? As you've said, the liquid side, mm -hmm. what is that? That's primarily your investments and savings and that sort of thing. Then there's the illiquid stuff. And that tends to be things like the house and the car and the frogs. <laughs> you don't want to sell yep. a frog collection. Right. No, you have to hop. You have to hop to it there. It's like, <laughs> so that's that. And then, there, of course, the worst one is the liabilities. And so when people come on board, we look at that and say, "Oh my gosh, they have extremely high net worth, but no liquidity." Right. And we see that very often. And I, I think, too, just recently, with using the last two years as the example, what's happened in the housing market, I think you have a lot of people who are house poor. Amen. Absolutely. So a lot of their net worth is tied up in the house. And the only way you can get to that is either sell it or do cash a cash out refinance. refinance. Exactly. Yeah. If you do that, what are you doing? You're strapping yourself with another debt if you do right. the, the refinance. So you're exactly right. Those ratios between how much you have in investable assets, your bank accounts, and then also you know, the, the illiquid side. If you've got too many things, too many vehicles, too many uh, just intangible things. Maybe everything wrapped Rent up in a business or a farm. Yeah, rental properties. Yeah. Right. Something that you, a good way to think of this is liquid is you can get to it tomorrow if you need it. Mm -hmm. Illiquid is there's got to be some other transaction that has to take place for you to actually then cash in and use the money for what it's for. So keep an eye on those ratios as, you're, as you are uh, watching your net worth because I think from a, a growth standpoint, it's, it's easy to get caught up in what's the hot topic. Right now it's been real estate. But focus on the long-term things with building your uh, your buckets. And the way you do that, we're going to talk about that next because there's a lot of ways that you can grow your net worth. And there's it's business owners have a different way to grow it. Yep. Right? Somebody with higher income earners have different ways. But I've, we've seen so many scenarios, too, where just a normal W-2 wage, if you're disciplined, see what you said earlier. Work. That's your millionaire next door. You can, you can, you can accomplish you know, some, some pretty substantial goals. So we'll tackle that, how to grow your net worth when we come back. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. Joining me tonight, John Sestina, Cole Hammock. Been talking about your net worth and how to protect it, grow it. Actually, let's go back. How to what it is, yep. how to grow it, and then we're, and we'll finish with how to protect it. So we're on today's topics in terms of what to do. There's a lot of techniques, right? There's a lot of ways we can go about this. But first, just a reminder, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com. A lot of great content there. Uh, you can even see a picture of Cole if you want to. That's me. <laughs> Didn't you just get new headshots, Cole? I did. Yes. Because yeah, that last one was from 2017, something like that. I weighed 20 pounds more and my hair looked kind of like a used car salesman, I guess, <laughs> to be self-deprecating. 
Because you so, cut out Wendy's call. That's why you, that, that's, you, that's cut, you cut your hair. I, I cut my hair. Yeah, yeah see, I have like a side part now instead of slick back. <laughs> it looks like I know what I'm doing. It's a good update. But yeah, but yeah, visit the website. A lot of good content. <laughs> ManagingToBeWealthy.com. On top right section of the website, there's a button that says Take Action. You can schedule a complimentary consultation with one of our certified financial planners. Review our services and see if we may be a good fit. You can also call our office at 614-326-3077. Again, ManagingToBeWealthy.com. All right, guys. So let's talk about ways to grow your net worth. I think that's a focal point for a lot of people. If they understand, first you understand what it is, right? Mm -hmm. What your net worth is, why it's important, why you need to track it, and how do we actually grow it? Most people don't want their net worth to go down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so absolutely ignore that part. So let's talk about growing it. So what's what can you do? Oh, save more, right? So I mean, there's obviously a few ways to do that. There's just cash. That's boring, I guess, is a way to say it. But you, as you grow your assets, you build your your cash buckets. Uh, that's going to increase your net worth, but I think more specifically, or maybe a priority to that is save more into retirement accounts, your investments. Well, so it's easy to say save more, but how do you actually go about doing that? Well, it goes back to discipline, but figuring out what you have, what what your uh, opportunities are to really save. Uh, so maybe that's through work, four hundred one k. Maybe that's through an IRA. Maybe you don't have something through work, or you're already maximizing your four hundred one k. And then figuring out how that fits into cash flow. So going back to the living expense worksheet we always talk about here. Yeah, and we're still in you know first quarter of the year too. I think it's a good time for people to revisit what they are saving. Mm -hmm. Be aware of that. And a lot of times these new four hundred one k plans are pretty nice, where they actually have a annual adjustment where they will increase your percentage you're saving, you know, one percent or so automatically. It's an automatic increase. To trick you into being wealthy. Yeah, right. Pay <laughs> yeah. yourself first, though, is really the concept, Absolutely. right? <clears throat> so that's the key. Yeah. So that's the key is to save more, but there's ways, there's techniques to do it. And I think if you automate it, if you use features like the 401k thing that I'm talking about, you get a couple of paychecks into that. You're not going to notice yeah. the 1% difference for most people, I would think. Um, so that's one way to save more. What's another way you can grow your net worth? Well, pay down debt, the other side of the coin. So if that's uh, making maybe an extra mortgage payment, so instead of just doing your monthly payments, maybe it's every two weeks, um, right? So that there, there are different ways that you can adjust how you pay down debt or if we're talking credit cards maybe focusing on higher interest rate ones first paying minimums on the others so i think there are a lot of ways to do it i just have to figure out what works best for you or your goals what you're trying to accomplish well the best thing is time isn't that amazing how do i, what do I mean important. by that time time is the best way to grow your net worth for example you talk about debt you know if you don't have debt when you buy that new motorcycle or that new car or that house, then you are saving a lot of money in mm -hmm. interest charges because you took the time to save it up in advance. Yeah. And therefore the house or the car or the whatever we're talking about will uh, cost you far less than it would have cost you if you financed it. Yeah. I once read a finance book from uh, some university. This is, it was, you know, one of those, uh, stone tablets and I chipped through there and this professor had done a study on the average family in US I don't know if it was a mean or average Tyler but it was the average family he said and he figured out that if the average family did not take debt mm -hmm. if when they needed a refrigerator and they paid cash for it and car they paid cash for it etc cetera, etc cetera, they would have had an extra are you ready for this million dollars that's over their family's lifetime. Well, I because, assume that includes a house too. Yeah. Uh, no, the, he did well, not have the house in that. Okay. Wow. No. no that was, it, but it's incredible. incredible. 
you stop and think how much money you spend in interest every year. Now, in the old days, you were allowed to deduct the interest even on credit cards and all kinds of things. But nowadays, you can't deduct it for anything, hardly even the house. Right. So debt debt is is a killer because it's a false pacifier. You know, it's that's that's why the credit cards came out. And I kind of warned people, I'd go around doing speeches about don't use your credit cards because the credit card is like, you know, nothing's there. Didn't cost me anything. I just gave them my credit card. So we went to dinner. So what? It was $200. Here's my credit this card. This isn't real. Yeah. Or buy me a new suit. I can afford that. Yeah. It's on sale. And use my credit card. And they're going to give me 20% off. Ha! <laughs> so be aware of that. Debt is is really a, a sick bait for the fisherman who is the business. Yeah, great, great context. And I think the concept there, too, that's one way to grow the net worth is paying down the debt. Now, how you pay it down, like you said, cool, is there's a lot of options there. But I was mm-hmm. thinking of one other thing, too, that I thought you might say, and that was just spending less. Uh, that's a good right? option, too. Yeah. Now, why, how does that increase your, your net worth? Well, in theory, if you spend less, what you said, it's the opposite that's side of having more. the ability to save more. Correct. Yeah. But you have to be disciplined to save that, right? Right. It has to go to the right spots. And that's the other part, too, I want to talk about is, is cash flow management because where your money sits during the month or the day, even day-to-day swings, uh, to your point about interest charges, Don, most of these interest charges that we deal with, are, are t- that clock is ticking daily. Yep. It's average daily charges, right? Average Based on your average daily balance in the account. Mm-hmm. So if you can compress and, and uh, control how much of a balance is, is uh, susceptible to that daily rate, then you're in control of how much interest you pay. Remember, the enemy is not the interest rate, mm. right? Interest rate could be 25%. Enemy is the balance. Yeah. So keep that in mind because if you want to grow your net worth, obviously paying down debt, that's a great way to do it. And it has that slingshot effect, right, to grow the net worth, right? It's not just saving more, but if you get both of those working in tandem where you can actually start automating your savings, 401k, other things you can do, squeezing any extra you can into, into your retirement accounts or other savings accounts and pay down the debt, then you really see that snowball effect. It's an incredible thing to see, definitely. I think this all goes back to, John, what you said, too. It's it's still about discipline. None of this works without discipline. The most hated word in the English language, discipline. <laughs> yep. So there's one more thing I'm thinking of, too, another way that, and we see this quite a bit, too, in our practice, is with how to grow net worth, and that's with uh, business owners. Or maybe somebody who has a hobby who wants to start a business. But how can a business help grow your net worth? I guess it creates opportunities that you might not have as a, a standard W-2 employee. Uh, so that there could be new tax opportunities, which uh, a way to essentially save more. That's going to improve your cash flow that you might not have as a W-2 or even business retirement plans. So give you more flexibility, more choice versus maybe what you would have had just strictly as a W-2 employee. And, and it works a little bit like real estate. People get all excited about real estate because they can buy it and get a mortgage and so forth and real estate you know, as they say, always goes up in value, but that's different off, offset from your income, whatever your income is. Mm-hmm. So the value of the real estate is kind of on the, on the side growing or not. Your business does the same thing as your business is successful. Yes, you're getting income, but more importantly, the value of the business is increasing. That increases your net worth. Never thought of it like that. Uncle. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. I see it all the time. And one, one last item on this, and it's a challenge to everybody listening to, is, is as your net worth grows, hopefully it's going to grow over time. Like you said, time, John, takes time to do these things. But as your net worth grows, challenge yourself to keep your spending at the same level it is today. 
Much easier said than done. Lifestyle creep is very real. That's exactly that right. Is. But if you can focus on that, then again, it, it parlays right in everything else we've talked about. It'll allow you to save more. It'll allow you to spend, pay more down on your debts and, and so forth. So keep that in mind. Keep your spending the same. It's much easier said than done. When we get back, though, we're going to talk about how to protect your net worth. So you've grown it. Now, how do you protect it? Because there's a lot of risks and exposures that are there. So you're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. <laughs> You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, John Sestina, Cole Hammock. So, gentlemen, we've talked about what your net worth actually is, why it's important to track, how to grow it. It makes sense to finish with how do you protect it. Because as you said, John, this takes time to build a significant net worth. And by the way, significant is up for discussion, right? It's it's yeah. relative. So your number is your number. But the point is, you build these things, you work so hard for this. How do you protect it? Because there's, as, as you, it's, it's a fact of our society. As net worth grows, as pe- people have targets on their back. I think of physicians all the time. Um, you see professional athletes, a lot of different people kind of in that public eye. Mm-hmm. But it's still, this is relevant to everybody on how you protect these things. So there's a lot of different parts to walk through in terms of what to do, what not to do. What's the first thing somebody should look at once you've built this net worth? How do you protect it? Well, everybody hates to think about it, but insure it, right? Uh, so generally speaking, talking auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, make sure you're not driving around with state minimum insurance or having very little insurance on the home because if you're at fault, you're in trouble. You're going to lose a lot of what you save for. That's an easy way to see your net worth go down. Yes. In a lawsuit. Yes. <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> So how do you, but you mentioned auto and the home. What's another way you can protect it? Uh, so we're thinking umbrella insurance. Yeah, so strictly liability protection. So everyone knows about auto. Everyone usually knows about homeowners, right, or renter's insurance if you're renting. But umbrella insurance allows for you to tack on additional liability protection beyond what you have on the auto and the home. So especially for our higher net worth individuals, that's something that you really want to start thinking about. And what's a good amount there? Because you know, that could be all over the place. But what's a good rule of thumb? I was going to say, it depends. Yep. Um, but a good rule of thumb, cover your net worth. So track what it is you own minus what you owe, and then want an umbrella policy to cover that. So if your net worth is $2 million, how much umbrella insurance should you have? Well, let's, let's go with $2 million. That'll <laughs> okay. give you a $2 million right. policy. Maybe you have 300000 of liability or five hundred on the, the auto and home. You're covered for $2.3, $2.5. You're in a good spot for that net worth to keep growing a little bit. Yep, and I've I've got some family experience with some of these things with different uh, car accidents and whatnot. And the old days, what the attorneys would tell you is they would go after somebody personally, so their net worth, right? They're looking at their assets, liabilities, looking at that, and they would con- they would compare that to what they could go after on the insurance side, because it's a request for data, so, you know, all the stuff to get the information. And, and yeah. these, they hire private investigators. I mean, it's very detailed. Um, but if you have if you have an umbrella policy, it's excess liability coverage. 99% of the time, the attorneys are going to tell you that you, you go for that because if you go after somebody personally, you can get tied up in bankruptcy, you can get tied up in court for many, many years versus they call it it's like an open and shut case, right? The, there's the insurance policy there to pay out the proceeds, and many times people just want to be done with it quickly. Yeah. So if you have this policy in place, you put yourself in a better position should anybody come after you or you're, fine, you're at fault for whatever uh, that, that you're getting sued for. If you have that excess coverage, you put yourself in a much better pos- position to protect your net worth, yeah. or, and that's uh, what you're trying to do. Yeah, or prevent them from garnishing future wages too. Well, tell that's yeah, tell that that's yeah. another scenario. So that that's the idea. Maybe you don't have uh, sufficient insurance and or sufficient uh, assets net worth to cover whatever that lawsuit is. 
they're going to start dinging your paychecks, garnishing future wages to eventually make themselves whole. So that's going to set you back as well. Yeah, right out of your paycheck money goes mm -hmm. to pay off that claim. Yep. So that, yeah, liability protection, I think, is the first thing. And we're kind of wired, Johnny wired us that way to think of that. And we have to, yep. right? You have to protect people that way. So that's a big piece. But um, what about business owners? Because we talked about, Johnny took, you said earlier too, there's a value in a business that's growing while you're still running the business and having income. But, you know, a lot of time business owners, most of their net worth is the business. Right. So it's the same way with farmers. You know, they, yeah. uh, they own this thing and it's growing in value uh, and uh, they have, they have to prepare for taxes. For example, there's a lot of discussion about poor farmers. There's uh, five generations of farmers and the last one dies and the estate tax can knock them out of the park yeah. and they'd lose the farm. Same thing's true of your business. If you have a business and there's no way to get, get rid of it, so to speak, then what are you gonna do? I think of a guy I know who, he owned a very successful business and it was in technology, but he was the guy, he was everything. And so he became ill with, with a very serious illness and he was destined to die in a relatively short period of time and uh, he couldn't find a buyer. So he had this company whose worth was astronomical because he had made all this income and people come in, they look at the income and they do EBITDA and all that other kind of valuations and so forth, but there was no one to step in his shoes and run the company. So he never sold it. Wow. And that leads us right to the, the next way to protect it is to have an actual succession plan in place yep. for your business owner. And if that makes up a large chunk of your net worth, but again, that's most of the times that's the case. Mm -hmm have a succession plan in place. And there's, I've, we've seen so many scenarios too where people come to us and they've either never thought about it, never been told to think about it, or sometimes they just don't want to think about it because they don't have the yeah. answer. Or my kids, my kids will take it over and they hate the farming business. But they don't, yeah. The, whatever the business They're going is. to the city. They don't, yeah, they don't, they don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Yep. They're tired of that, uh, uh, what is it that I said, the fertilizer cost. Yeah. They didn't want <laughs> right. to spread that anymore. Yep. So that's a, that's a big, big deal. The other thing about this is before we get too far on the net worth growth, another important word is patience. You know, we talk a lot about compound interest and even Einstein was confused by compound interest. And what I'm getting at is when you start out, you know, when you have nothing basically, then you have to be patient as you start saving some little bit of money because it doesn't look like much and it looks like it's growing very slowly. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to give it a chance to kick in. But once it kicks in, then it starts growing by leaps and bounds and you're really excited you did that sort of a thing. So you need some patience. Don't attack your net worth. You build it up to $100,000 and you say, well, you know, now I can buy a Lexus. Why would I do that? I don't know. But you would buy a Lexus and you take out your whatever it costs for that thing and you spend it. So now you're down to say 70,000. So you have to rebuild it to 100,000. That's crazy. You're basically, as I would say, eating your children's children, compound interest. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point too in terms of just the family dynamics that go around these things too with, with net worth and that ties into the estate planning concept. So yeah. after you're gone, so you've worked your whole life, you've grown your net worth, you've protected it, you don't have the right things, but if you don't have the proper end of life type documents in place to protect the net worth, uh, that could eat into it, right? For the next generation. 
Uh, and right now it's going to be interesting to see what Congress may or may not do with any tax changes. But one of those things right now is the federal estate tax exemption. This is the highest it's ever been, right. aside from the way you didn't have one, right? Um, <laughs> yep. But if they change that, right, if Congress changed that and brings these limits back down, these are some things people really need to pay attention to because right now they're, they're talking about if your number is above that threshold of what the exemption amount is, then you could lose half of it right. to the government. I mean, that's awful. So you're ne you talk about losing your net worth and going down quickly. That's one way that if you just did some pre-planning, pre right, proactive, you can combat, you can combat that. Yeah. It, it would do well to take a pencil and paper and just – rambled through these thoughts. You don't have to be a financial planner or a gizmo at uh, mathematics, but just ramble through some of this and play with the numbers yourself. That'll help you set goals, help you pay attention, help you monitor the growth. Absolutely. And I, I think this conversation is so important too, because you know, we started talking about net worth. So just what you own minus what you owe, but we got into the business aspect of it, which is part of what you owe, but that's a little bit more in depth. There's taxes, insurance, estate planning. It all comes together. It's all very comprehensive. So you can't just focus on one thing in a vacuum. That's right. Hey, John, when you're talking about writing down on the piece of paper, does, does it come with one of those clickers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are making fun of us because we had to struggle. I see how it is. We appreciate you struggling so we don't have to. <laughs> little clicker. Yep. Calculated how much money you'd spend. I spent ten cents, and then add another thirty-five, and it did it automatically. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, great show, gentlemen. Lot to cover again. Uh, we talk about so many different topics. So again, you can catch us on podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. Managing to be wealthy. Again, check out the website managingtobewealthy.com. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio six ten WTVN.